Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of In Not Of, the podcast. I'll be honest with you, this topic is the last thing I expected to record on. I'm the last person I would expect to do a Halloween episode of anything. I've just been thinking more deeply about my own knee-jerk rejection of Halloween and how it's evolved over time, kind of psychoanalyzing it. For some context, since I was a kid, I've had a little bit of a take-it-or-leave-it attitude toward Halloween. It falls exactly a week after my birthday, and I feel like that has colored my experience of it. It's a transition from all eyes being on me to being one of many costumes in a crowd, from a birthday cake with my name on it and wrapped gifts to tossing out the Tootsie Rolls in my plastic pumpkin. From the last big exciting day of the year before Christmas to the dreariness of November. Halloween was fine, don't get me wrong, and as a child I wasn't a Halloween hater. It's more that Halloween paled in comparison to my birthday. Now, in my young adulthood, I did start to not really get Halloween. Since I've become an adult, I've always wondered why other adults, and specifically adult women, love Halloween so much. In my mind, it's kind of frivolous. It's a holiday really for kids, and it's a holiday you don't necessarily get anything out of. For me, I felt like the return on investment just wasn't there on Halloween. You spend money on a costume and makeup and an Uber home, but you don't really yield any additional value. It doesn't come with any religious practices or family gatherings. You don't exchange gifts. And for those reasons, I sort of saw it as a pointless holiday. But it's clearly very popular. And I also look at how common it is for single women in their mid-20s with no kids to actually care about Halloween and like really care about Halloween. The fact that spooky season is even a phrase. It's strange. As heavily as Halloween is marketed, it seems like it's rooted in enough background that it doesn't feel fake. It's not so fresh a holiday as to feel contrived and forced, like the manufactured Instagram stories holidays that we get thrown at us, National Second Cousins Day on your dad's side, or whatever the algorithm has decided that day. But at the same time, it's also not so steeped in baggage, at least for a lot of us. Many of our oldest holidays and rites and rituals are fairly difficult to kind of separate out from centuries-old religious obligations and traditions, societal expectations and familial roles, things that a lot of young people may feel disconnected from if not actively disillusioned with. It's almost fashionable to think of Christmas as overrated, but to be super excited for Halloween, at least among young folks, even as an adult. And I've been trying to figure out why that is. And as the more that I've been thinking about it, I'm wondering how much of it is a reaction to the lack of obligation that comes with Halloween in comparison to holidays like Christmas. Halloween is one of the few holidays that doesn't come just par for the course with a heavy dose of obligation. With Christmas, you might feel obligated to buy meaningful gifts, to travel across the country to be with family, to actually cook a real dish in a kitchen and not a microwave. That one is the deal breaker for me. 
as a child, Christmas is about standing around and waiting to receive something. But it's only as an adult that it becomes about giving, really giving in a way that requires some sacrifice. Christmas, for a lot of people, can be something that they have to do for others. But in comparison, Halloween can sometimes really symbolize freedom. Not only do you get to be who you want, dress up as who you want, but it's also divorced from a lot of the responsibility for young folks without kids. You get to spend money on yourself, on your own costume, on your hair and makeup and dolling yourself up. You get to hang out with people your own age, go out at night. Almost no one is getting nagged by their mom to fly home to Boise because Halloween just won't be the same without them. That's not really a thing. And that freedom is enticing, especially for people who feel kind of boxed in in other ways, I think. I think part of the reason why so many young women like Halloween is because they have a day, like a birthday, where they are allowed to center themselves. And it's easy to be unapologetically excited for days like that. Perhaps the holiday's proximity to my birthday dulls that effect for me, but maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's that I have seized permission to do many of the things that Halloween gives women permission to do, even when I haven't been handed that permission. As I was forming the idea for this episode, I had the thought, Christmas is the holiday that my mother is. Christmas is the holiday that I want to think I am. But sometimes I feel like Halloween is the holiday that I actually am all year round. Halloween is self-indulgent, whimsical, dressed up, frivolous. Halloween is the state of owing nothing to the world while the world owes nothing to me. I talk about how it feels like a pointless holiday and maybe that's part of the draw of it. And maybe these are behaviors and traits that are part of my daily routine all the time. For example, women aren't necessarily allowed to dress in ways that embrace or flaunt their identity as sexual beings. But for a while now, I have been the girl who dressed like that anyway. On Halloween, we're allowed to spend hours on our appearance for our costume. That's something that I've kind of given myself permission to do long before Halloween, for better or for worse, without necessarily feeling bad about it. I'm approaching Halloween 2023, which will come exactly a week after my 30th birthday, a big milestone birthday. And I wonder if a part of the reason why Halloween feels enticing this year, when it usually doesn't, is because I fear some of that permission that I have given myself will just be taken from me. This stage of womanhood, entering my 30s, it feels like something that I associate with responsibilities, but not just responsibilities, with almost a sense of disappearing. I'm going to be a woman over 30, and if we force young women in their 20s into background roles, then how much worse will it be for me in this new decade of my life. I think as I approach this season of my life, I am preemptively dealing with this fear that my time is up, that I am moving into this role where it's my job to keep things running in the background without ever being seen or heard or listened to. 
And maybe that's the scariest thing about this season for me. Not the little fake ghosts on the lawn. What if the reason why I feel like I need this Halloween is because I feel like I need to retain my grip on the option to be indulgent, to focus on myself, to be in the spotlight. I say that Christmas is the holiday that my mother is, but what I really mean is Christmas is what our mothers have been for everyone else. Christmas and Thanksgiving often represent the things that women are demanded to be. And when it's a demand, is it even me anymore? Or is it what we give because the world says it's what we were put on this earth to give? And let's be clear. I like Christmas better than Halloween. I adore Christmas. The moment my birthday is over, that's what I'm looking forward to. Christmas time. But I worry that I am fundamentally not the good parts of Christmas. It's hard to articulate what I mean by that, but I, for example, I feel like I have a tiny fraction of my mother's warmth, a small fraction of her generosity, of her willingness to give of herself. These are things that I associate with Christmas. None of that seems to come as natural to me as it does to my mother. And I'm using the example of my mother as a stand-in here, but I think I'm talking about the generation of women that came before us. And so if you're anything like me, you likely feel the same about your mother. I am not the first to volunteer to help. And honestly, I don't even know that I want to be. I'm not as welcoming. I need my space. I need my alone time. I don't even always want as many people around me. I just need more of myself to myself than my mother has ever had permission to have. And it's one of my biggest questions for the generation of women that came before me. How do you even have enough of you left for you? And even the fact that I ask that, I fear that it makes me less of a woman than the generation before me, or at least not the right kind. Maybe the reason Halloween hasn't always had so much of a pull for me is its proximity to a day when I give myself permission but maybe it's also because I allow myself the freedom to get lost in whoever Bria wants to be on a given day and as I get older I think I'm starting to feel afraid of losing that freedom and the thing is I intend to give myself permission I intend to give myself permission to be the things that the world may not give me permission to be. Permission to be silly, to be whimsical, to be fun, to be brooding, to be serious. Permission to be dressed up, to be dressed down, to be cute, to be sexual. Permission to be industrious, resourceful. Permission to be in bed under a blanket on my Nintendo Switch. I intend to give myself permission to try on a new version of Bria every day maybe every couple of hours. There's something awkward and uncomfortable and exciting about being more than one thing at once. And that all comes to the surface on Halloween. But what if that doesn't need to be the only time that we have that permission? What if our generation and our daughter's generation just has more permission, period, to be complicated, 
to be more than one thing at once. I think about how so much of my anxiety around holidays like Christmas and Thanksgiving is new and as a black woman especially is about how I fear that I won't be able to fill the shoes of my elders. Everyone's always talking about how family gatherings aren't going to be the same when everybody's spread out in different places and if the young people don't like know how to make the recipes and the fact that so many of us do not have our own place because of the Bay Area and who's even going to host these things and they're very real anxieties but maybe the first step in getting past them is acknowledging that it is true holidays are not going to be the same and that fills a lot of us with fear and anxiety and grief but holidays are not going to be the same because we are not the same we are different people and the world is different not necessarily bad not necessarily worse people in a worse world but different and maybe that's one of the first steps is it's true okay it's true I won't fill the shoes of my elders I won't be my grandma I won't be my great aunts I won't even be my mom on November 22nd 2048 and that's okay so we can start from there it kind of bleeds into a larger topic that I started I guess posting about on threads but I wrote that something that I'm coming to notice is I think I have a different relationship with the idea of obligation than my parents generation did and I'm trying to experiment with language that goes a little deeper than oh I'm just more selfish than my mom and dad like my threshold for resentment appears to be a lot lower for me than it is for my mom so that doesn't necessarily have this value judgment built into it whether or not someone thinks that that's a good thing or a bad thing it's not a character judgment against myself on his face or another example I wrote down is my bare minimum for the level of independence and time to myself that I expect and ask for is higher than it is for my dad that's an observation it's not Bria doesn't care about spending time with people Bria doesn't care about other people's feelings it's just an observation and then it's up to me to figure out what I'm going to do with that observation and I think that this extends itself to the way that we relate to our associations with these family holidays it's almost like releasing yourself from the obligation to become the people that came before you gives you just more space to think about who you want to be and it also allows us to think about the experiences that we want to create for example I wrote if I release myself from the responsibility of magically transforming into a person who gives as much of myself as the previous generation did what does it then look like to choose how much of myself to give and how much to keep 
And I think that's the important part. I don't think that the goal is that we become just perpetually more and more self-contained units, that we don't need anybody else and that we spend our holidays in 2098 just in our own little virtual reality pods and we don't talk to anyone. That's not the goal. The goal is to think about what do we do purely out of expectation, out of demands? Who does that fall on and why? I wrote, I want to have a shorter list of I had to and a longer list of I chose to. And I want that to be even more true for our generation's daughters. I think about how previous generations didn't always have choices. That's really what I want for the generation of women to come after me for if I were to have a daughter. What I want is for her to have choices. Not necessarily, I don't come home for Thanksgiving because I don't have to. I'm doing me and I'm off jet setting and it is what it is. But to be able to make that decision, I think about how previous generations were parentified and had to take care of their siblings the way that a parent would. And I don't want that for future generations. I just want them to be able to make decisions about their lives. And maybe they won't always make the decisions that I would make. And I know that I don't always make the decisions that my parents would make. But I appreciate the freedom to make those decisions. I'm going to randomly get political here, but I was watching the morning show and it took an episode of a TV show for me to finally Google how to get an abortion in Louisiana because I have family in Louisiana and it took that for me to realize you actually can't I don't think I think you literally have to cross state lines and to me that's wild but it's another example of how the things that we take for granted as choices one have not always been offered as options to the generations that came before us and two are not universally available to everyone that we know everyone in our circle even everyone that we are related to and I would like to say I did something because I chose to I don't want to be the way that so many other black women have had to be looking back on my life and talking about how I did this because I had to. There's a line, it's corny ass line in a Tyler Perry movie, but it's something about how black women don't always do what we want to do, but we always do what we have to do. And I'm just sick of the, the, what we have to do framework. I just want to be doing things that I want to do. And yes, we're always going to have to do things that we have to do. Like, I don't want to clean the litter box, but I have to do it. But also, I chose to get cats, you know? I want just a much longer list of things that I chose for myself. And the same for my future daughter one day, hopefully. I think this just kind of like 
strikes a sensitive point for me, but I was watching, um, I think it was an Instagram reel where somebody was asking um, a black man about the experience of loving a black woman. And he said, it's the highest duty. And my knee jerk reaction was why duty? Why work? Why obligation? Um, And I think that that struck a chord for me because I would want somebody to feel like loving me is a privilege, is a joy, a thing that they get to do, not a thing that they have to do, not a responsibility. And I think that having choices about a lot of things is a privilege. Choices about what we're going to do with our body, how we're going to spend our time, how we're going to make our money, where we're going to live, who we're going to love. Having a lot of these choices is a privilege, but I would like them to be more universal. I guess my takeaways for this episode are things that I would encourage you to kind of reflect on are really all over the place. I know this episode started out talking about Halloween and ended up talking about womanhood and bodily autonomy. And that's just kind of where my brain has been recently. But one thing is to take some time to talk to your elders about what things looked like for them. It could be what did Christmas 1995 look like for you? Or you could ask them to describe their 30th birthday or something that's coming up for you that someone else has already experienced. And note the ways that your experience of that is different without judgment, without my parents were homeowners when they were 23 and I live with roommates without any of that. Just note the ways that it is different and imagine if your future child were to come to you and ask you to describe a time period in your life, if theirs were different, would you extend that compassion to them? Would you tell them that it's okay that their life is different? I also think another important thing to keep in mind is that our generation is not the first to wrestle with what does it mean if the way that my life looks is different than the way that my parents' life looked. And bear with me, I do have a Bible verse, but I was recently reading um, the book of First Kings and I was struck by this passage from um, Solomon and he's talking about his dad, David. In First Kings chapter three, verse seven, After Solomon is talking about how his dad used to rule over a kingdom, he says, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. So Solomon is basically feeling unequipped. He knows what his father did before him. He's seen his father rule over this grand kingdom but he is not his dad and he knows he's not his dad and 
he's talking to God, being kind of vulnerable with him, explaining like, who am I and what, what am I supposed to do? And what Solomon asks for in verse nine is not just make me like my dad, just turn me into my dad. It's in verse nine, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. And that really stood out to me. Solomon doesn't ask for him to turn him into a different person. He asks God to equip him with the ability to be a worthy steward of the blessing and responsibility that he has. That really stood out to me because I think that so often our instinct is to figure out how do I do it the way that it's been done before so that I know for sure that I'm doing it right? And the reality is that your mom and your dad and your aunt and your uncle don't know for sure that they're doing it right. And depending on who they are, maybe you look at them and you know they're not doing it right. It's not going to be as simple as however it was done before, that's how we're going to do it. And then, of course, later in that chapter, God is so impressed that Solomon asked for wisdom and the ability to be equipped to handle the responsibility that he didn't just give him that. He also made him rich. But all of this is really just to say, take some time to note the ways in which you are different from the examples that have been given to you without judgment on which one was better and which one is worse. I think it's a useful exercise. Thanks again for tuning into what has probably been one of the more rambly, all over the place, abstract episodes of In Not Of. As always, please do follow innotof.podcast on Instagram, um, on threads, and follow the podcast on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time.